Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash back with you again. I'm the CEO of Booktopia and today I have another author, of course. His name is Campbell McPherson and his book, The Power to Change, How to Harness Change to Make it Work for You. And it's published by Kogan Page, one of the publishers that Booktopia distributes for. So very exciting to have you on the program. I think get to talk some of, to some of our authors that we represent. And, and Kogan Page is a UK publisher, but um, Cam, Campbell, you're, you're Aussie, of course. I am. I am indeed. It's, it's, it's fabulous to be talking to you. Uh, yes, I moved to the UK 22 years ago after meeting a gorgeous English girl at the Customs House pub in Sydney. It was inevitable that, that we were then going to move. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so uh, are you living in Australia or in the UK? Well, I'll try to split my time between the two. So, um, which of course this year is is quite difficult. We were we were lucky to be able to uh, get on a plane um, at the end of, of January to come over here uh, uh, for a few months. There's some family health issues that we needed to work out. But uh, but we're based in the UK, um, but hoping to spend six months here, six months there in different chunks. So we'll we'll see. That's the plan. Put it that way. Well, that that kind of um, that kind of lifestyle you know you need to have the power to change obviously to be able to <laughs> change um lovely segue <laughs> yeah no you do. you've got to be able to embrace change which of course is the whole point of the book but yeah but the yeah. ability to embrace change is is the thing really we've all we've all learned that we have all we've learned that we need in this ridiculous last 12 months so just on that then, I mean, let's dive in. And, and for those that listen to my podcast, you know, it's a, it's more of an, uh, you know, personal obsession. This is, this is a free consulting session for me, of which others get to listen in on, on what I get to uncover. But I'm curious, the, the, the power to change, is it more the resistance to change that is, needs to be dealt with or the inability to, to foresee what you're transitioning from to where, where do where do people kind of get stuck or is it kind of is it evenly distributed across you know many ways that people hold on or or can't let go to embrace the new what's your what's your view good good gosh good multi-layered layered question it's it's not so much an inability to see the future if you like it's not, to plan the future vision it's but often that can get in the way that if you're so uh, strict or uh, about what the future vision is going to look like, then odds are you're going to be disappointed because it never works out that way. I think I think um, Mike Tyson had an expression that says everyone's got a strategy until I punch them in the mouth, and I think I thought that's a really good. I think Helmut, um, uh, the the German um, the, the German uh, war. Uh, general had a better one, but I like Mike Tyson's. So, so it's not so much of of being of not being able to see the future and then obtain it. It's just actually not being able to. It's it's struggling to be comfortable with the fact that things are uncertain and you're not sure what is going to happen in six months, twelve months, you know, a, a year's time. And it's being able to to be comfortable with that uncertainty. And I, that's what I've learned over the last twelve months. Is ironically, the book was written. You know, more than 12 months ago, and then we had to update it for, for COVID before it was it was published. At one point, there was a book on change coming out without any mention of the biggest change that we've all seen in our lifetimes. So, so we then updated it uh, for that before it was published. 
Um, and I suppose my career, I've spent a long career helping leaders to lead change and helping people to embrace change and for companies to build cultures that, that are able to embrace change. Because if people don't embrace change, then nothing's going to happen. You know, you can have the best leaders in the world, but if, if they can't help their people to want to change, they're simply not going to get anything done. And, and most leaders just focus on the logic. They forget that emotions are four times more powerful than change when it comes to, four more powerful than logic when it comes to change. So the most leaders are really clear on where we need to get to. They're probably less clear on why, but that's where they stop and they expect everyone just to fall in line. And we humans don't don't work that way. As as soon as you have a leader or a manager stand up and say, "This is what we need to do to change." then you're instantly thinking of all the things that could go wrong, all of the fears, all of your concerns, all of the implications of this change. And most leaders don't help their people to get those fears, concerns, natural challenges um, out on the table. So, so what, what, I, what I do through workshops and all sorts of things is, is really based on a book, is, that, um, is to help people, to help leaders to realise that they need to help their people to want to change, and then to help people to be able to see their bar- the natural barriers they erect to change and then use some tips and tools and understanding of, of change to be able to accept pretty much whatever happens because that's, that's what life is about. It's about building res- resilience and embracing change in whatever form it, it turns up in. Wow. So, so is it more the organisational... Like, is it more organizational that you work on or is it is it actually more the personal? So so there's two things going on. One, one which is um, functional operations that are that uh, have been a certain way and now moving to be done another way. Yeah. And and therefore, is that the easier part versus then dealing with the individual or, or do you deal more at a at a global level in terms of, I just need to deal with all the people within the organization, or are we are we having to look at each person's journey through the change and, and have a management um, style or, or kind of, um, yep, no, or kind, no, of no. kind of like you may cater for each person. Do we have to cater You've for each person? To. You've got to, and that's probably the, the one of the little secrets to successful change is that, if you think that change is just systemic, that it's processes or systems, or that every, if you give everyone a wonderful logic, um, holistic reason uh, why the business needs to change, then everyone will, will instantly run along and do the right thing. And that's simply not, not true. One of the key truths that I've learned in the last 25 years of, of being this, this change and, and strategy game, really, is, is that all change is personal. So all change is emotional, but also all change is personal. So even the largest largest of, of organizational changes or restructures is, is actually the culmination of, of a myriad of, of individual personal changes. And it's the, and it's the organizations that understand that and, and teach their leaders and managers to be able to help every single one of their people to embrace this change. Now, obviously, 100% impossible, but let's get to 80 rather than 20 uh, percent of people on this. But it's about individual changes, and that's why how 
successful organizational change. That's how organizational change will be successful. What I learned years ago in one of the big consultancies, uh, frankly, was wrong. They just focused on the logic and they focused on the systemic nature and the logical nature of change, forgetting that we're all messy, emotional, irrational beings. And an organization is hundreds or thousands or ten thousands of messy, irrational, emotional beings. And we need, and the most important person to be enable uh, people to change or to be motivated to, to deliver a new strategy is their line manager. So it's all about leadership. It's all about management. It's about helping people individually to, to find their own emotional triggers and, and want to actually change. And it's mm. that want that, that, is, that is the key. It all sounds a little bit obvious, but it, but it really isn't when you delve into how most organizations go about organizational change. So your question was fantastic. It's, it, it is about organizational change and it's about personal change because you can't get one without the other. So in your book, without giving too much away, people know that I, I hate, um, <laughs> you know, diving in because you've got to buy the book, guys. You've got to buy the book. <laughs> like I, like, and, and from Booktopia or from any good bookstore, because, um, um, you know, we, we just, this is all about just getting you to, to get an idea of what Campbell's talking about and, and what his book's about. Sure. And so, so do you, is it, in your book, is there is there a template there? Like, is it is it like is it more of a um, giving us an insight to your world, how you um, help organisations to manage change? Can we can we use that information to then give it a go, or do you still need to work with a change expert to to help? No, you don't need to work with a change expert. This is my second book. The first book was all about leading change. Uh, and that was called the Change Catalyst, and it, it won the 2018 Business Book of the Year in the in the UK, which was which was fab. This book has flipped it on 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 its uh, on its head. So the first one was about leading change was for leaders. This one is about embracing change, and it's for everybody. So in it is the embracing change checklist. It's a whole chapter on resilience and little tips and and tricks and things we can do to help build our resilience. There's, there's a, a bunch of, of diagrams and models in there to help us realize the emotional roller coaster that we go through when big changes done to us, and then talks about, well, how to overcome those emotions or how to embrace those emotions and overcome the barriers that, that, we, that we erect. And also the emotional roller coaster that, that change happens when we instigate it, like if we you know, get married or we, we decide to have a baby or we get that job at work, that promotion that we wanted, we still undergo, it's a different type of change or a different type of change curve, but we still undergo an emotional roller coaster when that happens. And it's realizing that that is really powerful. So there's there's models, there's there's checklists, there's narrative, there's stories. It's it's part novel, it's part narrative, and it's it's part business, part self-help really. But it's uh, a lot, of, a lot of my clients have actually bought it for all of their employees, put a forward on from the CEO and said, this, this is about embracing change. It's the, it's the skill we all have worked out we need, uh, we've needed in, in the last year as anxiety went through the roof, as uncertainty uh, has become something we simply have to live with. So, so yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a blend of a book, part self-help, part business, um, uh, and uh, and, and some damn good stories and case studies in there too of normal humans going through change. 
So just, I, I wish I would have asked you this off air to know whether it's a loaded question or not, <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask it. Um, um, hopefully it's, it's, it's all to Booktopia's positive. Um, one of the biggest selling books on change uh, in the history of, of publishing is Who Moved My Cheese? Yep. Um, um, because it's just one of those easy to read books. No, I've got that at home as well. It's fabulous. Yeah. Yeah, that and, and the one about penguins. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that's um, you know that's that really does, um, and we have sold you know thousands, and it's sold millions around the world. When you think of a book like that, um, is that dated now? Is it? Is there things in there that are still hold true? Um, it's you know really does break it down to to uh, the very simplistic forms. It's not going to give you great insight into emotional intelligence. So have we moved on from that? Um, obviously, at your level, you have, but is it still? Is it still? It's still um, really relevant. That's still it? everything that Cotter and um, who wrote him with much I just can't even recall at the moment. Anyway, that they're they're still that's still very relevant and some great tips. I even use the uh, the penguins one. It's it's you know my uh, what is it? My iceberg is melting. I think is is another one. I use that in some of my workshops because it's it's just spells out uh, uh, a, a staged approach to change management. So it's still very relevant, but what I don't use are the words change and management ever together in the same sentence, apart from that last sentence that, that, <laughs> that I used with you, is because to me, change is all about leadership and change is all about embracing it. It's, you know, the, it, it's not someone with clipboards going around going, well, here's the process. But I think there's so much to get out of both of those books, actually, to be honest, that are still highly relevant. Every book on change that, that comes out has got its own um, you know, unique twist and unique either models or checklist or, or whatever whatever it is. But now the, the one that I've put together is 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 a narrative like who who moved my cheese. So it's as easy to read, uh, but it's it's there's more in it that each people can that, that everyone can get out of it. So you know, in one of the things I use um I use losing weight as an example of how to overcome barriers to change because we all struggle with that. Uh, for, for for better or for worse, and for uh, at different times of our lives, and it's something we can all um, uh, uh, what's the word um, identify with. In fact, one of the senior a senior partner, one of the large consulting firms, bought the book. I've known him for years, and he emailed me not about all of the models in it and how how to motivate your people to change or any of that sort of stuff. He said, "Okay, the losing weight chapter got me. I've struggled this all my life." What I loved was, you know, the point you made about, and I thought, goodness me, of all of the things in the book for this incredibly intelligent and successful man, it's the losing weight chapter on how how to, as an example of how to embrace change. And he said that, a bit like who moved my cheese, really, that bit um, inspired him to go, hang on, I can use this with all of my people. So it was, right. it was, it was a really good moment. I didn't know how it would work, and I put it in the book, but obviously, obviously, did. <laughs> I'll have to read that chapter because um, I've I've struggled with what I mean. I use food and uh, to you know, to medicate. Um, everyone has their own various ways of managing their stress and and dealing with their their complicated lives and jobs and families and situations. So um, exercise and and food. Uh, the problem for me was is that when I was younger. Um, I was, I won't say I was an elite athlete, but I, I was definitely, you know, uh, athletics and basketball at the state, 
inter level and, okay. and, wow. and nas national level um, to a degree. So, so I, I competed like, a, you know, a good athlete and ate like a slob. Now, now <laughs> I need to compete like a slob and eat like an elite athlete. And uh, that, that change, <laughs> embracing that change, um, oh, you know, some, I'm, I'll get stuck into your chapter and, and uh, well, we to can... be honest, you know, just awareness is, is the huge first step in, in one of the workshops uh, that, that I was running with a large fund manager. One of the ladies was sitting there as I was going through the emotional roller coaster that we experience when change is done to us. And she was in tears. I wish I'd told your story about, about eating like slob and, but, you know, but, um, exercising like an athlete. Um, and she was in tears because she, Afterwards, she came up to me and said, thank you, because you've made me aware that all of the emotions I went through, her father had just died three weeks before, all the emotions that, that she went through were normal. And she hadn't realized that. She thought she was weak. She thought she was losing it. She thought she, something was that she was ready to medicate, not just with food, but with all sorts of things. And, and she just just realizing that these emotions were, were normal. So, so awareness is, is it, obviously. You know, the first the first step is awareness, but then working out why do I do this? And actually, maybe it's like I like it. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's just a, it's just something. The point to that chapter, actually, the point to that section is to show how much how much emotion is is four times more powerful than logic. So the logic of losing weight, if it is what we want to do. Um, is really obvious, you know, as, as, as a really good uh, friend of mine, um, uh, over the top CEO in the UK, one of my, uh, the US, one of my clients said, and he lost, he lost almost half of my body weight, you know, rather quickly. And I said, how did you do that? And he said, I just stopped eating so much. <laughs> you know, it really, the logic is, is, is not rocket science. It's the emotions that, that get in our head that, that make it so difficult. So it's unpacking those, being aware of those, and getting some tips and and and, and tricks to uh, harness those emotions rather than um, uh, than attack them because there's no point. Some of the emotions are guilt. Some of the emotions that we 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 uh, we, we we don't like ourselves you know, because of it. we got to get over. We got to get rid of those emotions and replace them with uh, uh, with others based on on um, on on a, a I suppose a love and a trust and a, and a respect for for ourselves. You know? Is it difficult to like? I know with eating, for me, it's like it's a it's a um, system that supports me, that serves me. There's there's an aspect to that that um, uh, I benefit from by by maintaining that um, system. Call it that. Yeah. Call it as you will. Um, and then, so to to un unhinge yourself, to to let go of the of you know, the jetty and and drift off to um, the next destination when you're dealing with change and you're dealing with people in organizations how how are people clinging on for dear life to the old system will they all eventually let go and and realize this is actually we're changing for the better um you'd never i assume that you're never changing for the, the work you know for a worse situation so although it may end up being that way of course because we're always changing and things don't work out the way that we want but is it is it really um do you lose some along the way because they just they're just so entrenched in in the old way that they just simply can't change of course from the leadership 
perspective, yes, you're going to lose some people along the way. What, and and that was the the, the previous uh, book really. But this this one is about is about helping people to have another look at why they're clinging on so hard. What is what is it that they fear? You know what what. And then what will what would there be emotional triggers be to help them to let go? So so what is it that they that what are their fears? What are their concerns? So try and and try and lessen those fears and concerns one and help them to realize that change is inevitable. It's it's not a project. It's not a one off. I just said project. I've been 22 years in the UK. I now say project. Anyway, it's not a project and it's 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 not a one off where. I still think even even at the moment with all the COVID related change, so many of us are just waiting for things to get back to the way we were. So we're treating this as a one off COVID change. It's not even if the COVID will be with us in some shape or form and we're going to have to work out how to live with it um, and what we need to do to change to live with it. But also there's another change coming down the pike. You know, the cha change is inevitable. It's constant. And and sometimes we forget that really obvious um, truism about change. So, so what it is is to help people to work out themselves or, or with others or both, a combination of both, is what do I need to do to let go? What's, what's making me cling on? Um, and just having to go with the current, go with the rip, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and, and accept the change, not all change is good. In fact, in one of the workshops, in one of the webinars I ran, I had one of the, it was 80 something Finns from uh, Henley Business School in Finland. And one of the Finns, one, one of the delegates said, what they've learned in the last year was that not all change is good. And another another one piped in and said, that's funny, because what I've learned is not all change is bad. <laughs> so what they, they and that was the most beautiful opening to a workshop I've, I've ever had. So they both came together and go, but whatever it is, we've got to learn how to accept it, embrace it and look for the opportunities, which is the whole point of um, of this of this great book. It's interesting um, when you think about COVID and the pandemic. Um, it was within three days, I reckon, this time last year. So we're recording this podcast March 2021. So March 2020, where um, as an executive, we all had to go, everyone needs to work from home. And yeah, and, and and so across the world. Um, yeah. And so there, there was it was quite impressive to think of how quickly organizations, I mean, the Internet, computers. It was remarkable, wasn't it? How it all worked. Video. On a basis, but also in individual organizations. It just happened. Call yeah, that, centers were suddenly in, in people's spare rooms. And that's why that's why I was kind of leading. I was leading into this, um, you know, to your reaction here. It's like, as you know, as someone who is who is advising organisations on how to transition and change to watch this going on, you must have been um, just almost at like you know the the universe's Disneyland or something to go. Oh my God! Like, how was that for your for your uh, you know like your colleagues and your associates to it was it would have been very miraculous and remarkable to... it was one it was wonderful and the, the wonderful thing about it was firstly is that everyone realized hang on we can so if we just normally there would be you know if, if you were to turn around to your people as my clients are to turn around to their people and say right we're going to now all work from home um now what do we let's do a project 
a change project in, in order to do that. Now, so it'll be a six months duration and we'll have this work stream doing that and this work stream doing that. And everyone did it within three, four days. You know, it was it was wonderful. So so the change management folks with their clipboards were, were thinking, oh my gosh, I'm out of a job. <laughs> um, but, but what everyone learned is we can do it really quickly if there's a strong emotional reason for doing so. So we needed to for the business, but we were doing it to to um, to keep our loved ones safe, to keep our, ourselves safe, to keep our colleagues safe, to you know to support the the hospitals and NHS and and you know Medicare. It was it was all there were strong emotional reasons for doing so. And then everyone paused and went, oh gosh, there's some implications of this change that we didn't have time to think through. Luckily, or we probably wouldn't have done them in, in that great detail. And what I I preach is look at the implications of the change beforehand if you can. But very quickly after the change, um, uh, if, if you simply have to make a change quickly. And those implications were anxiety went through the roof. How do we interact with people over Zoom or, or, or uh, your Skype or, or, or whatever? How do we manage people? How do we run uh, uh, teams? How, how, how do people cope who are in one little room with, with, you know, with, with a family of four and two kids doing, doing schoolwork? You know, how, so there were so many implications, but we, we learned we can change if there's a strong emotional reason for doing so. But we also learned that mental health really matters. And I think that's the second big thing we've all learned this year, that a year ago we went, yes, mental health's important. Yes, we all get that. Now it's like, oh, no, we've all been through anxiety. We all get it now on a visceral level. Mental health's really important. How can I help my people to be able to cope with this uncertainty and, and uh uh, and to remain focused, calm. How do I help help them to do things that are good for them? Because doing things that are good for them are good for the business as well. So I think it's been a a wonderful year in in terms of those two learnings. It's been a shocking year in in, in terms of lots of else. Oh, one little story. My wife was uh, was um, trading in a car and had to ring Mini Financial Services, and so the call centre was now. Uh, in people's spare rooms and, and kitchens. And while she was on the phone to this wonderful uh, lady in the call center, she kept hearing this voice saying, can I help you? Can I help you? And ended up, and, and Jane said, what is that? And she said, it's my parrot. My parrot that, I, that, that I, I've had, I've put her in the laundry, I've put her in the bathroom, I've put her in cupboards, and all I can hear is, can I help you? Can I help you? The <laughs> entire day. And that, that made my day. <laughs> that's hilarious. I love that one, too. That's so great, because that's all the, all she was, all the parrot was that's hearing. That's all, all the day. parrot was hearing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. You should, uh, that, she should hire that person out to a bookshop. Um, and <laughs> And they can Actually, just, yes, just put it in the front. Yeah, and uh, you know, like probably um, uh, you'd get a lot, a lot of customers. Um, like that, that's actually interesting because you have you have a you know, like a, a parrot like that saying that you just get people walking into the shop all the time. And you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. There we go. That's there's 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 an opportunity. But um, you must have found you must have found in your amazing journey forming Booktopia and, and it's so successful. How have you found change in the last year? What, what have you done uh, with your business that that helps your people to be able to to cope with the change that was was 12 months ago? I mean, Australia's done such a wonderful job with it, but still there were a good three, four, five months there that Australia was as anxious as ever, as everyone. It's it's um, there's many th there's many aspects to that. First of all, with the within the last year, 
I, I think what was ter terrific was um, to have people move to work from home and for them to know that the company trusted them to get on with their work um, rather than yeah, ra rather than we need you here just so we know you're working yeah. uh, because they really did get on with it and and for them to know that we know that they know that we trust them um, that's that's enormous that that's that was that was really really good um, because Booktopia was growing rapidly, uh, uh, I mean, we've grown rapidly over 17 years, but mm. even through the pandemic, people were buying books. It, it just as an interesting uh, um, sidebar, because um, most people now know that Booktopia listed on the ASX uh, last year, and and four years ago or five years ago, when we were when we were roadshowing Booktopia to try and list in 2016, um, it was always, you know, Amazon, Amazon, mm. you know. You, Amazon's going to annihilate you, or what are you doing about Amazon? Or what, how? And Amazon hadn't got to Australia yet. And and finally, um, at the end of that journey, when it didn't happen, it was because Amazon announced they were coming to Australia. This time around, um, in the end of last year, no one was asking about Amazon. All the fund managers and institutions said, "No, no, no, we don't need to talk about Amazon. We know that that's not an issue." But but tell me about digital books. You know, like uh, you know, ebooks, ebooks. And, and I and I I said, look, just humor me out if you will right i said let's let's just let's what we can do is let's do a global experiment and force everyone to stay at home but they still can buy online and they can get what they want so they could either order an ebook mm. and have it downloaded and be reading it within 8 seconds or they could order a physical book and have it to deliver delivered to them within a few days or whatever right would you believe Everyone was buying physical books. Mm. Conversation over, done. Like, <laughs> and so it's like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, people were ordering physical. And and so it's just interesting that I think it's it's a bit of an aside, but it is quite. Uh, people still read ebooks um, mm. for sure, and and certain people love them, and others read them in certain circumstances if they're on holidays or traveling, which of course we can't do as much these days. But um, Physical books are definitely here to stay. I think we've proven yeah. that, which was really, really cool. The other thing about change, going back to the, the question over the years, um, this is an interesting one for a company that that's growing. What I, what I was really aiming for in the business is to have an even keeled growth. So if it was very lumpy, so, um, you know, this time of the year, we're up by, you know, 80% and then- Yeah, that's, then, that's tough to manage. Lump, right. Lumpy growth, lumpy, yeah. Yeah, so so by having Booktopia grow quite evenly over the years, the team got, get in, got into a bit of a cadence, and I'm mostly talking about uh, the distribution center and customer service. So, you know, more books, um, more orders, more more calls, and, and so therefore um, it's kind of easier to manage that growth. and And people wonder how do you go from zero to a two hundred million dollar business? It, that that's something that I was pretty cognizant about, just making sure. That we didn't grow too quickly um, and try and, which we could have, but just mm -hmm. make sure that the marketing and everything else is at a certain make sure level. It make sure it didn't break it as you as you were growing. Yeah, that's so unusual. No, congratulations. Well, from what I've seen of the of the of um, the, the people that I know that have ordered from Booktopia or ordered how to change from it, it's it's come really quickly, and the customer service has been brilliant. So so well done. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's so it's so great. So so. Um, 
I, sh I quite often just go into some of the, the chapter headings um, and just see if I can trigger any kind of um, any kind of interesting kind of well, conversation. Well, there's there's so many conversations. Goodness me, you know, this we could talk about Boy and Slat and the Millennials forever. But uh, I think there's been a few news agencies at the moment that have leapt onto that. There's a good article and actually well edited article. Uh, it was an interview with me at CEO Magazine at the moment out about how I think the Millennials are um, uh, are very underrated and the best thing that they bring to the world of business is they're forcing leaders of organizations to to actually understand that they need a proper purpose in their business a purpose that's not just based on profit a purpose that's not just based on on shareholder returns but a purpose that is customer centric and 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 is you know uh, related to responsible capitalism you know so it's for society it's for the but it's customer centric yes environment yes society but it's what are we actually why are we in business and who do we exist to serve is a question that too many organizations have forgotten. So anyway, so you went off and I went off on a tangent there. The other the other chapter that you, you is really interesting because it's not usual is chapter 22, the one that I wrote with my wife called The Power of Yoga. Mm. And it's all about how yoga's philosophy is perfect to help us to um, uh, to embrace and accept whatever the world is actually throwing at us. And um, so, so that's certainly worth worth it. As I mean, it's as I skim through um, your your table of contents, which is actually quite long. Which is um, quite it, it's a, there's a bit of information when I say that in terms of the chapter lengths are really tiny, which is just to my liking because you can you can just kind of chunk everything down and rather than long. Yeah, they're Tim Tam sized. Yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Tim Tam, that's right. Is it one of those books where you can um, just like kind of center yourself for a second and then just kind of open it up on a page and and then um, you know that information is just relevant for you today? Do you need to actually start from page one and make your way through to the no, end? No, you, you, you don't have to. In fact, the, the first few chapters are really easing us into the subject. It's about technology and, and how that's changed. It's about you know, the climate, climate change, the dangerous power of denial is the great chapter that we've worked on there. It's how we're living forever, though not, not forever, but, you know, for longer. Um, and and so those chapters are really just to tease us into get our minds thinking, you know what, there's lots of change happening that I'm not concerned about. I'm just accepting. So that's lulling the reader into a false sense of, of, of uh, doing what I'm trying to help them to do before we actually get into the way we work has changed and then the psychology of change and the how change is emotional and emotion versus logic. And actually there's a fantastic uh, chapter in their case study of a, an amazing uh, lady, uh, Dr. Bronwyn King, who, who leads, um, she's the Order of Australia in Melbourne of the year a couple of years ago. She, she, she leads uh, tobacco-free portfolios, convincing the entire financial services world to stop investing in tobacco. One of the most impressive ladies I know, and a perfect example of the challenges that you need to overcome even when you instigate big change. So I interviewed her several times and uh, I've become a big fan of what she's doing. And that again is just a, it's a fascinating case study related to the book, but it's a great story in its own right anyway. Mm. The, I mean, we're changing all the time. So 
it's mm. it's one of those things that um, we got to come to terms with reality that um, the world is changing um, our our economy, our village, our family, our age, our health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're all we're all it's all changing. So, do you, should we be should um, if we started educating our kids more so in this subject matter or having that is it something that you actually like the great thing about the pandemic and as terrible as it's been and some families yeah. um, and people have really been afflicted in the most awful ways it's just it's just devastating at this stage 2.7 million people have died and then I don't know, multiply that by whatever to work out how many people are still going to have lifelong health. It's a, it's a real issue. But for, for many of us um, who, who, who think about the pandemic have got reference points now of how much we can change um, in our own lifetime. And as a, as a group, we've experienced something quite often for myself um, and probably my team members. When you have reference points where you can go, I did that, or I did something like that, or mm. I've never done that, but with what I know, I can do that. Um, um, does give um, people a sense of confidence about what they're going to embark on to to change. It does, and, and actually, that's one of the one of the tips on on building resilience is to pause and 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 realize what you've actually been able to change, how you've been able to cope with different changes in the past. That's that's one of the. Uh, of the many tips. But one of the things I think we've got from this year is, or we could get from this year if we thought about it, is it's the ability to accept uncertainty. And that's probably the biggest gift we can give ourselves and to others. It, we've realized that life is uncertain. We all, obviously life is uncertain. For some reason, we've convinced, tried to convince ourselves that we have sort of con some sort of control over it. And while we we do to a certain extent, we get educated and we you know we 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 um, we embark on our own businesses or we get we go for jobs and you know there is a certain action, but action isn't control. I think we've forgotten that life is uncertain. With all the wonderful medical miracles that that can be performed, you know, heart we can replace heart valves without opening up the chest these days. They're going through the groin and replace the heart valve. How is that even possible? You know, but but that's fantastic. So all of these little little things, we sort of lulled ourselves into forgetting that life is inherently uncertain. So if we what we I think the biggest skill we can give ourselves is the ability to accept uncertainty and realize it's it's part of life, it's part of work. And and we just need to realize it's just it's there. Life is inherent to the uncertain. So so in the book we go through lots of tips and and tricks but, and stories and different ways of being able to help people to do that. But but then going back to the kid, you know, teenagers. So there are teenagers are and kids are, are um, accepting change all the time, um, sometimes kicking and screaming. But um, <laughs> a lot of the time they do it without without too much even awareness is yeah. there a do you feel that with um with the work that you have done and observing others how how early can we start um educating our kids or teenagers do you need to have life experience behind you so you you've got that a bit more emotional intelligence or 
or um, experience. Well, experience and emotional intelligence aren't necessarily the same. It's the same thing, but but um, yes, it helps to be able to pause and look back. I get that, but but I'll come back to my point about accepting uncertainty as something that we can we we can build resilience to change. Not all kids are are, are, are up for, for for change for a variety of different reasons that the changes that they've they've experienced so far in their short lives have haven't been good. So therefore, they equate change with bad change uh, and that happens in a lot of situations that we we don't really need to go into in great depth here um, but 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 the ability to actually accept even from a young age that life is uncertain which is a bit scary but actually to be okay with that goodness me that would that would solve a lot of emotional psychological um, uh, issues. It would decrease anxiety. It would reduce depression. It's it's actually what my wife my wife does a, a brilliant yoga teacher and yoga therapist. And there was a a young uh, girl, a teenager, who came to see her, who was on antidepressants and was very anxious. And and there's a lot of teenage girls and boys on antidepressants throughout the Western world. And within a couple of sessions of helping her fundamentally to accept an uncertainty. And to see her anxiety, but not be be drawn into it, um, she was actually able to 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 give up the meds, and and I understand that she has never been back on them, uh, and that was one of the most amazing things that Jane has ever achieved in in her life. So, and I'm not saying that that's possible for everybody, but if we can, yes, we can teach our kids to accept uncertainty, and I think that would be the best gift of all, to be honest. Mm. Right, so that's that's an interesting um, perspective in terms of in in terms of the way that we need to constantly um, you know center ourselves. I think in terms of going, okay, let's uh, I'm drifting back towards re requiring certainty. Um, there is no certainty, so let's get. And back. we need to be okay with that, rather than fear it. Mm. Um, and it's. It's it's tough, you know. It's an inbuilt evolutionary instinct that you know that what's around that corner. It could be a saber-toothed tiger, uh, you know, fear us. Um, it's a survival mechanism. But now we're not living to sixteen. We're living to you know ninety-six. <laughs> that can be really wearing for a century of, of of being worried about uncertainty all the time. We need to help ourselves to go. You know what? Life is uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen next. We just better be okay with that, or, or it's just the drug companies that are going to get rich. <laughs> yeah. The, when I do my keynotes, um, or even uh, some of the masterclasses, um, I do try and educate entrepreneurs uh, the idea of that's you know, that things come out of left field. That you that you at least I've never used the word uncertainty, but it is that. Some you're in business. You're on a mission. Right, you're attempting to accomplish things, and then something will happen, something uncertain, and you need to say, "Bring it on!" and yeah. and it's that level of of um, um, not inviting it, but it's kind of like, "Oh, okay, well, you want to you want you, you want to come into yeah, that's right." And I, I think that's it. What what I love playing around with words. The, the beautiful thing about uncertainty is that certainty will lives within. Uncertainty. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm going to ponder on that, and I might use that one. <laughs> yeah, because uh, yeah, because you, there is certainty there that like you you you're working towards something, 
but it's always within an uncertain world and therefore that's nice um, that's really nice. i really like that yeah i'm, I'm gonna plagiarize that one yeah that's okay i just made it up then um, <laughs> but but it's i think that's really helpful for me it's like um it, it gives you the the content and the context of how the two um work hand in hand um no, that's good that's really good you you said a couple of things there one is entrepreneurialism why don't we teach that in schools why do why it, it's it's something we should the curriculum needs to change for kids to be not just expecting a job to arrive because they they've got a degree but actually going out there and going right how can i make a difference in the world and make money at the same time um uh, that's something we should be should be teaching and the other is a friend of mine said the other day everyone keeps saying to me you're a really lucky person and i said i'm not lucky it's just when opportunities come my way i see them as such and i seize them you know so when the unexpected happens or to put that into into what you just told me when the unexpected happens in business or in life look for the opportunities in it and that's what this friend of mine does so he's been hasn't been lucky he's just been proactive when the unexpected happens yeah and it's that intuition when things do arise uh, trusting your gut and going is that is that going to is, is that an opportunity or not and and that yeah that, that and not getting over. hung up on the things that didn't work you know because you know well, that, that's just process, you know, that's just the learning actually that's another one of my slides in my keynotes is okay. um, is that um intuition like break it up into two in tuition tuition the 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 fee that that you pay to do to do a course the it's your it's your training it's your education so intuition is in training therefore you take those experiences good or bad put them in your gut which you then are calling on from future reference to go yeah. am i going to do that or not do that rather than um you know having that emotional baggage around something which you can never um take the learnings it's very hard to to um Fabulous. forgive forgive and, and then integrate those learnings into your gut if if you still got a lot of energy around it um is right. my experience. We, need, we need to get my speakers agency to speak to your speakers agency we can do a double act I think yeah sweet. <laughs> <laughs> sweet um we're coming to the end of our time and uh, and so Campbell, before we um before we wrap it up, is there anything that, um, if you think about, so we covered a lot of things, but that you'd like to kind of, kind of touch on before we, we head off? I think the, the when I tend to end my you know keynote or workshops is is the um, is is the Darwin's you know quote on on how it's not the the strongest of the species that survive nor the most intelligent but the ones most adaptive or most able to adapt to change and and frankly i think that is key for every single individual person every team every division and every and every company it's the ability to adapt to change to go oh okay i didn't expect that right off we go what, what how do we make this work and to have that inner confidence Based on an understanding of your own strengths and and uh, and uh, and and allowable weaknesses, as someone said, that I think is really powerful. It's it's the ability to adapt to change is, frankly, the most important skill that mm. any of us uh, need to continually hone. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, Campbell, thank you so much, Campbell McPherson, yeah. the author of The Power to Change: How to Harness Change to Make It Work for You, and your 
book actually is it out yet or is it about to come out oh no it is out you've been you've been selling them by the bucket loads Tony like hot cross buns that's right. <laughs> it's exactly yeah congrats <laughs> congratulations again we wish you all the success in what, what you're doing and and thank you for coming on the program thank you Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au